Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to get you in the mood for extra time here on SENZ. A bit of Bees G staying alive. I'm absolutely pumped after hearing that. And it's got me very pumped for tonight's show. We are on from 7 till 9 here on SENZ. Ben Francis will be with you. And this will be our last extra time for 2022 as we have plenty of live sport coming up across the coming nights here across the station and across the networks in Australia as well. Extra Time 7 till 9 and coming up on Extra Time we will be talking some baseball with Sam Brief. Of course you would know Sam Brief from Hoopheads. Uh, he is down in Brisbane commentating uh, the Brisbane Bandits uh, in the ABL and they currently have the league's best record. Uh, Auckland Tuatara in the same division not too far behind so we'll chat a bit about that and uh, some NBA as well and what Sam Sam will be doing during Christmas because this will be his first summer. And I say that with quotation marks because he told me he goes to Florida uh, for Christmas sometimes, but summer, actual proper summer Christmas. Uh, we're also going to talk some American football with uh, Jared Cronin, and I might have to throw a couple of Warriors questions as way. Of course, the war- host of the Warriors Anonymous podcast. And as this is our last show, we thought we'd get Pete Fairburn on again. I think he's probably going to win the, the record for most appearances on Extra Time. Uh, 2022 just to have a look back uh, at Australian sport in 2022 and what's on his Christmas wish list for 2023 all that and much more here on extra time and then after nine o'clock we'll be on through till 11 o'clock yes we have a two-hour special of at the Oki. it will be the last at the Oki of the year as well as we look ahead to the pdc world darts championship and boy that is a cracking show first off we have a 200 dart depot voucher to give away for that so stay listening and how you can go to win that could be very good for christmas you can give it as a gift use it to buy gifts do whatever you want with it but $200 to spend at the Dart Depot could be yours if you listen to At The Yockey from 9 to 11. But coming up on there, firstly, we will have the Master of Ceremonies for the PDC. He's the man who introduces all the players as they come up to the stage, and that is John McDonald. We will also hopefully have Ben Robb. No guarantees because he's been a very busy man over in the UK and he was opening the PDC World Champs on Friday morning New Zealand time. But we're actually going to catch up with his opponent. This is locked in. Mickey Mansell uh, will face Ben Robb in the first round of the World Darts Champs. So we're going to catch up with Mickey. 
And we also hear from Glenn Durrant, the former three-time BDO world champion and a former Premier League champion, champion as well. But the one interview I am super excited for, quarter past 10 tonight, SENZ listeners, you will want to hear this. We have an interview with the godfather of British promo- or promoting British sport. It's not Eddie Hearn. Because I said that I said that phrase to someone in the office. I said, we've got the godfather. And he said, Eddie Hearn. And I said, no, that's the godson. We have the godfather, Eddie's father. Yes, Barry Hearn will be on the show after 10 o'clock tonight. Of course, Barry is the man behind the PDC. He's the man behind Matchroom. He's the man that made snooker very popular. He's the man that made boxing very big in the UK, among other things as well. So super pumped to get the honour and the privilege to talk with him. But as this is also the last show of Extra Time here for 2022 on SENZ, we also will have a bit of a look back on a couple of the more memorable moments on the show And it's very hard to pinpoint a memorable moment because we've had lots of different hosts on Extra Time this year. Had Ricardo, had Stephen McIver, had Dean Butler, had myself, had Mania, and we've had Mark Watson. I think that's everyone. I could be wrong. There could be more. Uh, There's been that many. So we've gone through the archives and we've picked through a couple of Good interview moments uh, from across the year here on Extra Time. So we're going to play those back to you, but jump on the phones, have a chat about whatever you want. 0800 150 811 or text through on 8833. There is plenty to discuss. Even I'm just going to throw the topic out there because it is that last show. What is on your sporting Christmas wish list for 2023? I get the feeling that a lot of people... Well, a lot of on a lot a lot of people's wish lists will be that they want Scott Robinson as the All Blacks coach. I I have a feeling that's probably going to be the majority of what people would say. The other ones I could think of is the Black Caps righting the wrongs from the last ODI World Cup with the ODI World Cup next year, or even the even the Warriors making the finals. Now those could just be a selection of of what you could pick. You could even say. Hey, I want an actual proper good Halberg Award winner because I think the nomination list of that should be due out, if not this week, next week uh, for next year's Halberg Awards. And there's already lots of discussions around who should take out the main gongs. So it'll be very interesting. But just tell me what's on your sporting wish list for 2023. I'm actually going to run through a couple of mine. And I am going to start with the Halbergs because I believe that Nico Porteous and Zoe sadowski Senate should be the joint winners of the main Supreme Award. I don't know if it's been done before, but if it hasn't, it's a great time for it because winning uh, Olympic gold medals, if it was a Summer Olympics, I, they probably would be at the top of the list, but because we don't have such a rich history in the winter sports probably might not have that same merit, but what they managed to achieve is still remarkable. So that is probably at the top of mind from a New Zealand perspective. I also quite like to see teams like the Wellington Phoenix and New Zealand Breakers do quite well. 
I know they, they're doing well, well, the Breakers are doing well, but I guess be in that title mix. And that goes the same with the New Zealand Warriors as well because it's been a very rough couple of years and only made the playoffs once since that grand final 11 years ago, a long, a very long 11 years ago. I can remember that day very vividly. And I thought I would like to hopefully be alive when they do win it, but they have not given me any hope or faith whatsoever. We also got the cricket on right now. Pakistan up against England, day four, session one. Pakistan, 258 for five. They only need 97 runs to win. Of course, the Black Caps are heading to Pakistan for a test series, and you'll be able to hear all the commentary for that here on SENZ. Daniel McCarty, Garth Galloway, Jeremy Coney, Richard Petrie among the call team, and you'll be able to hear all that here on SENZ. It is nine minutes after seven here on Extra Time. Send those texts through double eight double three about what's on that sporting wish list for 2023, or even if you just want to reflect on what your favourite moment was from this year. As I say, this is the last Extra Times show, so I feel it's very important that we throw this topic out there. Why not? Also, I have to touch on the FIFA World Cup as well because I have a very interesting perspective on Brazil. And I actually, before we do go on the break, I'm going to bring in uh, Niv here. G'day, Ben. How are you? I'm very well. Now, FIFA World Cup, we've got our four semi-finalists. We've got Morocco, which is a big surprise. I'd probably say Croatia was a surprise to an extent because I don't think many people expected them to reach the, the semi-finals, even though people had them probably making the quarterfinals, but probably not much further than that. And then you've got Argentina, who... Have, I was going to say they've probably gotten a bit better as things have gone on. So I think people probably would have picked them. And, of course, France, probably everyone expected them to end there. But Brazil were often touted as the big favourites for, for the World Cup. I think they've won five or six FIFA World Cups. Yep, Correct. But it's now been 20 years since they won it. So does, does Brazil deserve that chokers tag? Because they it's been that long since they won it. And if they're continually favourites every year, you kind of feel like that they should be doing better than the, uh, the quarterfinals. That's a fantastic question. My instinct is that I think that they do at this point because... If you are entering the tournament, as you said, as favourites, you've got incredible depth off the bench. You've got superstar talent everywhere you look. You've got an experienced coach. Uh, you should be performing better than they have. And I think in the past, potentially you could have said, well, they just came up against more better organised teams, you know, when Germany infamously unpicked them 7-1 at home. Um, but... To, to lose to a gritty, resilient workman like Croatia, that'll sting because they had that game in the bag for a very long time. And um, I, I, I think that, yes, I think they should, they're, they're deserving of that title now, but maybe you're already heading in that direction. Well, I, I think they do, and that's why I wanted to put it out there because yeah. even I'm trying to think back in the last 20 years, I don't recall them making a final in that period as well. Nah. They've, they've sort of been that, that classic team that you always keep an eye on entering the tournament, but as soon as it gets to knockout stages, um, 
they they disappear. Because the reason why I brought this up, because I'm sure you would have heard it on some of the other shows, we had the sweepstakes, the office sweepstakes, and it was a winner-takes-all sweepstakes. And I think it was Joe who produces the breakfast show. He got Brazil, and I think Kimpy offered him offered him a hundred bucks <laughs> for it. And if it was me, I would have actually I would have said, of course, because I if if I had Brazil, I don't think I would have had the faith in Brazil. And that was me heading into the tournament. So I feel like that yeah, I would probably would have taken the money and run with it, and I would have just I'd be laughing to the bank right now because I'd be like brilliant, <laughs> my team didn't win. Got a hundred bucks there, but it's always a gamble, of course. But when I think of Brazil last twenty years and how they're always up there with the favourites and not even reaching a final. And I know you know England will have the chokers tag because by the time the next World Cup starts, it'll be sixty years. But England don't go into the World Cup as favourites every tournament. No, no, they didn't. Although a lot of bookies had them as favourites this time around. It's a bit hard though when you've got English bookies and everyone looks at like like the English speaking bookie markets, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and I I pay limited attention to 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 those ones, but yeah, the 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 pre tournament favourites top was Brazil, uh, France, Argentina, and then your sort of outside favourites were England, Portugal, and look where we are now. I tell you who's going to be happy in our sweepstakes is young salesman Charlie Waite. Um, who's uh, who's got Morocco? Yeah, well, who would have picked Morocco to to reach the semi-finals? I had an old flatmate who was from Morocco, and we'd always talk about a football, and he was always very ecstatic uh, talking about the the nation and what they could do. So I know he'll be a very happy man. But regardless of even if they lose to reach the semi-finals, the final four from a country that no one expected to. And there was always the talk about the the country from the African region and it was always going to be someone else. But Morocco was never on that list. And it is uh, 13 minutes after 7 here on Extra Time and we've had Graham call through. Graham, how are you? Oh, good day, Ben. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm all the better for hearing you. <laughs> well, it's nice. <laughs> not, not often I hear that. No, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's really nice. Yeah, have a good Christmas, won't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good on you. Good on you for taking the reins too. So you have an illustrious list before you. It must be said. Yeah. So what? What, what is your on your? What's on your uh, Christmas wish list? I mean, I know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you, you brought up the Scott Robertson, like a lot of people. Yeah, that that definitely would be number one, because um, it's not going to happen before in the next two weeks. So um, you know, definitely after the new year, you know, I've probably if he's not. If he doesn't know already, I hope he, you know, he gets it next year. You know, um, obviously before, well before the World Cup, as was, you know, as has been um, said by Mark Robinson uh, a few days ago, that they've sort of changed their timeline. I think that's, I think it's more likely now. I think it should be a certainty, but I think it's a lot of people said it wouldn't happen. Even fans of Razors said, "Oh no, he won't get there because someone else will get him, or they won't, they won't take him because they've set the wrong parameters." But I. It seems to be an ever-changing situation. I think I think I think things have changed quite a bit in the last few weeks, actually. Yeah, and I get the feeling that if the Crusaders do win the Super Rugby title again next year, though, I know the drums are already beating loud, but they'll be even louder. So the, the better the Crusaders do, those drums are just going to get louder and louder and louder, and putting that pressure on New Zealand rugby. Yeah, that, 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 I know it hacks a lot of people off. I certainly hope they go out. Well, it'll certainly be Scott Robertson's last year as coach with the Crusaders, which will be sad, but I hope he goes out, you know, as much as that's a lead balloon outside of Christchurch. Um, 
I hope that 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 happens too. Yeah, but yeah, no, the drum. I mean, it, it speeds up. <laughs> it was pretty loud this year, and then the All Blacks hit, you know, worse than a rocky patch really. And um, even though they improved slightly, it was not many people were very happy. Um, so you know that 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 will be you know like a you know a crescendo next year um, if the Crusaders. You know, hopefully, win the next one. Then you know that'll be. Yeah, I, I think I think the situation's got pretty much a crisis point. You know, I think that it's nothing you see in Foster. I just think that they need to make their minds up because you know the the, the British, the English, and and Australians and all that. Are, Australians are desperate. The English are desperate. You know, the South Africans are looking dangerous as the Irish and French are. So you know, there's a lot of. Um, a lot of competition out there, and, and and competition for Razor and Signature himself. So, yeah, that that's going to be a big one. And of course, the World Cup itself will be intriguing. So, not to say the least, you know, look at the football World Cup. You know, <laughs> um, I mean, that's the greatest World Cup of a lot. But you know, that's just amazing. You know, you know, if you can pick it, you know, you're, you're Nostradamus really. But the rugby one is ours. You know, normally it's not ours to lose, but we, you know, we've been in situations before where we've looked good, and now they're not looking so good. So, um, yeah, the pressure's on the All Black coaches. So, yeah, but that's what I'd like to see anyway. Well, I think, I think, yeah, we probably see the the same view as the majority of the public, but of course they don't. They didn't admit it, but I guess the big guilty admission that they probably got it wrong was by bringing in you know Jason Ryan all these people that Scott Robinson initially said hey these are the guys that I will have part of my coaching team oh yeah well that of course that happened after you know the massive crisis that followed the the Irish Test Series loss you know um yeah and you know there'd been a lot of talk about John Plumtree particularly um you know and he was you know there's probably could have been more change but yeah, I mean, I felt a bit sorry for Brad Moore because, you know, he did a good job with the Crusaders as an assistant, but he was sort of collateral damage, really. You know, it was like I couldn't get rid of one. That It had to be two, and you know, but, but Joe Schmidt and um, Jason Ryan, I have to say particularly, oh, they both have, but I think the Fords improved, you know, I think a lot more than the, apart from that chest in Christchurch, in Argentina, which was a poor forward effort but overall the forwards were very very good in those other tests um when they had the better pack out there that's for sure yeah totally agree graham thank you so much for your call and uh if we don't talk again before i have a very good christmas and an awesome new year eh? yeah same with you ben cool appreciate appreciate that that's uh graham there from christchurch uh said raises the all blacks is probably on the top of everyone's wish list and who knows how things will play out because Sport's a crazy thing. I think if people were probably said to you even at the start of the Autumn Nations that it was the, the I know it's the Autumn Nations Cup over there. That's what they call it uh, over in the UK, even though it's not down here. But I think if probably people said that Eddie Jones was going to get the sack afterwards, people probably might have not believed you. Maybe the people that are closer to the situation may have said, oh, I could have seen this coming, but... <laughs> Yeah, for me, Eddie Jones is the kind of coach that he comes in to any job and he always makes a big impact, but that impact never seems to last, and I don't know why, but that's my perspective on Eddie Jones. So I think wherever he goes next, I know the USA had apparently reached out, and I think Rugby Australia want Eddie Jones in some capacity as well. So 
he is a wanted man. Uh, when the Warriors were looking for a new coach, I know Eddie Jones has always wanted to have a crack at league. I suggested maybe the Warriors look at getting at him, but who knows? Uh, we're approaching 20 minutes after seven here on Extra Time. Coming up after the break, we're going to catch up with the good old mate Sam Brief to talk some baseball, basketball, and a summer Christmas. You're listening to Extra Time on SCNZ Radio with Ben Francis here, and it is our final show of 2022. And one person I really wanted to get on and celebrate that with is a man you would have heard on the station before as part of the American Brief on Hoopheads with Casey Frank and Justin Nelson. That man is Sam Brief, who is currently based in Australia, where he's doing commentary for the Brisbane Bandits in the Australian Baseball League. To talk some ABL, basketball, and life in Australia is Sam Brief himself. Sam, mate, how are you today? Ben, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. It's a sunny, beautiful day here in Brisbane. Great to talk to you. That's good, mate. And it probably helps that the Brisbane Bandits are doing well. 13-3 and at the moment and top of the Northeast Division. It has been a juggernaut, honestly. It's, it, it's almost ridiculous how much better the Bandits have been than every other team in this league, statistically. Right? They are scoring more than any team. They have given up fewer runs than any team. They've won every single home game except for one. I mean, they are dominating at an absolutely crazy rate. Um, it, it, it's the most complete dominant team that I've covered, and that, that counts here in Australia and also back in the States, in Chicago. So what are the Bandits doing well this season compared to other teams? I'll start with the pitching. I mean, the pitching has been tops in the league by far. Uh, the staff ERA is under three the bullpen ERA is hovering right around two. The Bandits pitching has pretty much put itself in a position to where if they have a lead after the fifth inning, it, the game's almost over because the bullpen is that dominant. Uh, the Bandits record is 12-0 and 0 when they lead after five. So the numbers back that up. Uh, they, they, their pitching has been phenomenal. James Meeker as a closer, uh, Brandon Jordan, Carter Hope, Parker Harm, the list goes on out of the bullpen, and then the starters, Cam Wagner, Max Lazar, Tim Atherton, have been uh, really, really consistent in the last two weeks. So that's been the, the top plus for the Bandits is the pitching. Now, I'm not too sure what it's like in America, but in this part of the world, when teams mm-hmm. do well, the community really seems to rally around them. Is that happening with the Bandits at the moment? Oh, absolutely. Um, we've had great crowds, including... This weekend, uh, we did a teddy bear toss that benefited the local children's hospital on Saturday, and we had a great crowd for that. The, people are definitely showing up a little more to see a team that wins, right? Uh, you're used to that, where you're from. So, uh, yeah, the, the community is supporting. That's what you like to see, especially in a league like the ABL. And hot on the heels of the Bandits are the Auckland Tuatara. And I know Auckland do have a few games up their sleeve, but they did start the season against Brisbane. And from memory, I think the Bandits won 3-1 off the top of my head. But the Tuatara are now 9-6. and six. They do have a few games to make up, though. 
they still have that makeup game. Well, it's halfway through against Sydney, but that's getting completed. I think it's this coming Friday. And I think they're still deciding about their series against the Aces, which actually should have taken place this weekend, but because it rained here all weekend, no games were actually played. And I think they're considering that to be a tie. But considering how they started, are you surprised to see how well they've bounced back? No, not at all. I mean, Tuatara are one of the top teams in the league still. They should be in the playoffs, given the talent they have. Um, you know, they've got Suwei Lin, who's a former major league infielder. He's leading the charge. He's got a 375 average, which is phenomenal. Jack Berry, who comes from this part of the world alongside a couple Auckland natives, which is, which is really awesome. Clayton Campbell and Jason Matthews, they're all playing very well. So this is a good offensive team. I think some of the question marks with Auckland is the pitching. Uh, so maybe it's the opposite of what, what I say with Brisbane, but no, Auckland is a strong side and, um, you know, very few have gone into Brisbane and come up with a win. In fact, the only team to win on the road in Brisbane is the Tuatara. I'm not too sure how much contact you've had with people in the States, but what is their perception of the Aussie Baseball League? Yeah, people have a lot of respect for the league. Uh, I think there's just because it's so far from America, there's a little bit of like an air of mystery around it, right? Uh, because it sounds so foreign. Uh, people are often surprised to hear that they play baseball here. But people in the game who know the ABL respect it. Um, there's a lot of respect for the Australian baseball player as a whole. Um, just looking at the the technical approach, the proficiency, the lack of errors, the, there's a lot of respect there. And we're seeing it because MLB clubs like the Rangers, like the Brewers, like the Royals, this goes on, are sending some of their best prospects here. Sam, can you tell us a bit about how this whole adventure for you coming and commentating down under came about? Yeah, I mean, I've I've always wanted to come here. So right around uh, when COVID started, I met up with a buddy of mine who had been down here. And I, I once I found out it was a possibility to broadcast in this league as an American and come over, I was sold. So I reached out to every team sent them my you know demo reel and my resume to get out here COVID happened and delayed things obviously and then once the league opened back up and the country opened back up i reached right out to the bandits and and we got in touch and made it happen dealing with the other side of the world was interesting for me because you know i come from limited knowledge right it's not like chicago where i had always been so comfortable um i know everyone i you know speak the same lingo, right? We're, we're speaking English, but there are different things in culture and lingo that uh, I've adapted to. So uh, for this to come about for me is honestly a, a total dream come true. It's a great way to look at it, Sam. What else has caught your eye this season? The Giants are top of the Southwest Division, 11-5. and uh, we got the Tuatara we've already touched on, and then Perth and Canberra. I think uh, the Cavalry are playing Brisbane this weekend, and them and Perth are both 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, which one of these teams do you think can really push for the title? Yeah, I mean, the second best team in the league is is Adelaide right now. They just set a league record winning their 12th game in a row. That, that's the biggest winning streak in ABL history. Adelaide's phenomenal. So that's a really balanced team. But outside of them, uh, I really have an eye on the Perth Heat. I mean, that's a veteran team with a lot of talent. They have some young prospects from the Rays. They have two... MLB veterans in Pete Cosma and in Josh Reddick. 
So uh, that's a team that I have an eye on, and they're going to be coming here to Brisbane actually for New Year's. So that series will tell us a lot about where things stand. Sam Brief is on the line with me. He's currently based in Brisbane over the summer calling games for the Bandits in the Aussie Baseball League. But Sam, I also wanted to try chat some basketball with you. I know usually if you watched a game, it would be at night for you. But now, because you're in Australia, they're on in the morning. So do you try watch or keep an eye on how things are tracking? It must be quite different. Yeah, to be honest, I have not watched a single game since I've been here just because... I don't know. I don't, I don't have, I'm following very closely, but I don't have the desire to sit down and watch, right? When I'm here, you know, I've got three months and I've never been here. So when I'm not on air broadcasting, I'm trying to explore and travel and be around the country. So I haven't actually sat down and watched a single game, but I am keeping tabs on everything, you know, scores online and Twitter and, you know, chatting with friends and family, make it easy. So I'm definitely, still up to date but it, it feels strange for games to be happening in the morning or often while i'm sleeping i just want to touch on a couple of the other teams and get your thoughts on them uh the celtics have the best record in the league 21 wins six losses but the one catching everyone by surprise at the moment is the new orleans pelicans flying high atop of the west at the moment 18 wins and eight losses and the nine and one in their last 10. Yeah, Pelican. I mean, the the West has been sort of nutty this year, right? Of, of course, we have the Lakers at the bottom barrel. Uh, the Warriors have has been disappointing, but it's just stunning to me to see the Pelicans at the top. Stunning is probably too intense of a word because I think there was always the mystery of a healthy Zion Williamson. What can he do? 25 points, eight rebounds a game alongside... Ingram and McCollum and now Valanchunas. I mean, that's a big team with a lot of length, and that's how you win in the modern NBA. So it's it's not stunning, I guess, but um, it is a surprise, right? It's not the traditional gatekeeper of the West. How about them Lakers? Yeah, Lakers, what a dud. Didn't they, I mean, they went on like a little bit of a win streak, uh, you know, looking at the standings, 11 and 15, right? A little better than how they started, but man, it took – it took over a week for them to win a game at the beginning of the season. Um, the whole Westbrook situation. I mean, LeBron's aging. Davis needs to stay healthy. I know you guys don't love the Lakers, so you must be happy. <laughs> Personally, Sam, I'm not much of a Lakers fan, but I do love the Miami Heat, although they are not doing much better. No, well, I think if the season ended today, the Heat would be in the play-in round, so... Squeak in if you if you if you're in the dance, as they say, you have a chance. So uh, you're still in it. Another team that's really catching people off guard, I believe, are the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're up there on the Eastern Conference as well, and they've got a really good young core squad. Yeah, and I'm happy for the Cavs. It's nice to see them finally have a little sustained success on a team that doesn't have LeBron James. Right? We've never seen that from a Cleveland side. Donovan Mitchell, that's all you need to do, right? I guess any questions about whether he could be a star in a system other than Utah with a guy like Rudy Gobert, a coach like Quinn Snyder, yeah. Questions can get tossed aside. I mean, he's averaging almost 30 a game. He's being efficient, not turning the ball over too much. Uh, and that one-two punch with him and Garland and then Mobley down low, securing like nine rebounds a game. 
Um, that, that, that's a really good side. So I think Cleveland makes some noise. And frankly, I'm happy for them because they're a lovable team. They've got great personalities. And now even without LeBron, we're seeing some success. Uh, Sam, we'll just begin to wrap things up here. I just wanted to ask, is this your first official summer Christmas? Honestly, not really, because I usually go to Florida for the holidays. So, yes, technically it's my first summer Christmas, but it's not my first warm Christmas. Um, I, I very rarely am even in Chicago for that. All right, all right. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that one. It's not your first official summer Christmas, but it's your first official Christmas down under. What have you got planned to celebrate? Yeah, I'm heading up uh, with my fiance, who's down here with me, to Cairns for the Great Barrier Reef. So we're going on a 10-day road trip from Brisbane up to Cairns. We're doing this whole snorkeling. We're stopping at the Sunday Islands. We're going up to uh, do a snorkeling tour at the reef and see it. And I, you know, being someone from Chicago, could never fathom doing a snorkeling tour at the Great Barrier Reef. So we will be there for christmas week and spending the holidays on the road so i'm really excited for that wow that's going to be lots of fun i've never done that myself but that is super exciting sam also sam what has been your favorite thing about australia so far i'm a people person so for me and i know this is a little corny it's the people everyone is nice i i have i have not come across anyone with the exception of one cashier who is not overly exuberantly nice um it just seems like the standard you're nice to people you take care of people here and just in living day to day i've loved that right so honestly it's the people for me has been has been my favorite part of australia so far but but brisbane as a city is phenomenal too i love heading down uh, by the river uh, you know have the river running right through the heart of the city you're getting a, a bite to eat or just laying out right on the water. It's just, it's beautiful. So I, I'm truly loving every moment. What about the food? Has there been any new foods you've tried and fallen in love with? Oh, the food's great. Oh, the food is spectacular. Uh, food quality here is crazy good. I've had some of the best Asian food that I've ever had here. Delicious Asian food. Um, the one thing I did try that I didn't like was Vegemite. Do you like it? No, but if I did have to pick one, it would be Marmite. But yeast spreads are really not for me. Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew when I got to Australia that was like a bucket list item I had to do, and it, it, it was just not good to me. So I swing and a miss on the Vegemite. Everything else, people, views, food, wonderful. Well, mate, Australia has set a very high bar, but I believe when you come here... I think New Zealand, particularly Auckland, where you'll probably be, I'm guessing, uh, will be able to beat that. All right, roll out the red carpet for me. Sam Brief, thank you so much for your time. It's been great catching up with you, and I look forward to meeting up when you are here in New Zealand. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing your country. I'll be there next month, and I'm sure I'll love it. So roll it out, baby. I want to break free.
16 minutes away from 8 o'clock here on SCNZ's Extra Time. You're listening to Ben Francis and we are with you through till 9 o'clock because from 9 to 11 is the last at the Yockey of the year with our big World Darts Championships previews. We have giveaways, we have huge guests, so keep listening in tonight. Now, earlier on this hour, we asked for your sporting wish list. Uh, what sporting Christmas gift you know did you want? Uh, I say that in terms of what you'd like to see happen in sport in 2023, not in terms of what sporting piece of memorabilia you'd like under your tree, but that could be another one we could throw out there potentially. So, hey, that's out there. But we've had quite a few texts come through uh, on that t- on that topic, and we've had one here from Sally, and she says, I'd like to see the Silver Ferns defend the Netball World Cup. Yeah, that is, that is a very good one. Uh, Silver Ferns defending Netball World Cup champions. Nolan Toro are leading the side to victory nearly four years ago. I think it's in Cape Town in South Africa this year. So let's see how those Silver Ferns go. We've also had a text through. They must have texted through on the app, which you can, of course, do. You guys go to the app, hit one of the New Zealand frequencies, and there's an option to text. And this person says they want to see Nick Kyrgios win a tennis major in 2023. Now, Steve McIver brought this up yesterday. He said, uh, if you win a tennis, if you win like the Aussie Open, French Open, Wimbledon, US Open, is that a major or is that the Grand Slam? Because he feels like at the Grand Slam is winning all four. But hey, each their own. Uh, another text, quite a few texts there as well. Wanting Scott Robinson as All Blacks coach. Not a big surprise there. And, of course, we got one for the Black Caps as well. Black Caps to right the wrongs from four years ago. Jeez. Lots of World Cups happening next year. Lots and lots of World Cups. Just having a look uh, through what some of the events you can expect in terms of World Cups. We've got uh, there's the Women's ICC T20 World Cup. Uh, got the Men's ODI World Cup. Got the Rugby World Cup, Netball World Cup. Women's Football World Cup, of course, here, being co-hosted by New Zealand. I see that today it was announced that the USA are going to be based on the east coast of uh, Auckland's North Shore, so that's not too far from me. So hopefully they have a couple of open training sessions because, geez, not going to be often you get to see athletes of those calibre right on your doorstep. Uh, but as I said, keep texting through that sporting wish list or even sports gifts you want. You know, it could be a particular jersey you want. It could be a piece of memorabilia. It could be anything that you want under that Christmas tree for this year or next year because you can put that wish in now and then hopefully it might come, might get it in the Christmas in 2023. Uh, coming up after 8 o'clock uh, on SCNZ, we're going to be joined by Gerard Cronin talk a bit of uh, American football. Uh, he also hosts the Warriors Anonymous podcast, so I might ask him about what he wants for, for the Warriors sporting wish list for 2023, and it's probably going to be make, make the top eight, to be honest. As a Warriors fan, that's what <laughs> I want. <laughs> And I'm also going to chat to Pete Fairburn about a similar thing. We're going to have a look back at uh, what's been happening in Australian sport this year and kind of what the fans over there want to happen most for Australia because, I said, lots of World Cups on, so there's going to be lots of opportunities. And I'm not too sure if it is next year. I should have done my research on this before I came on air because the Ashes are next year as well. So I'm assuming that... Uh, the Australians will probably be very curious to know how 
they fear against Bazball, as they call it, because they claimed a clean sweep. Well, it wasn't a clean sweep because I think one match didn't get a result or ended in a draw because of wet weather. But Australia won 4-0, so uh, I think probably people will be very curious to see how that Bazball test mentality goes against uh, the Aussies. And speaking of uh, England cricket, Pakistan just needs 64 runs to beat England. England need four wickets. It's probably going to end today. We'll see. It's 12 away from eight here on Extra Time. BGs, jeepers. What a way to honestly, man. If there's if you want some music to get you in the mood for just good good time, good atmosphere, it's them, man. Holy. I still think uh staying alive it's better. That's just because though it's the walk-on song for Steve Beaton and the darts, the bronze bronze Adonis. Oh what a man. We had him on the show soon a month ago. I like I like I like that. It's like it's like the the mamma mia. Oh, you had to give him a chef's kiss. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a darts guy. I'm getting into it now, having worked with you a fair bit. But my word, what a good looking bloke, <laughs> especially for his age, eh? Yeah, it was it was unreal. Couldn't believe it. Um, I remember when you asked him about it, he had to be careful what he what he said because <laughs> his wife was was hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, don't worry, Steve. You're safe. Uh, coming up after eight here on uh, Extra Time, Jared Cronin. We are going to talk some American football. Uh, Pete Fairburn also looking back at the Aussie sports season, looking a bit ahead to 2023. Uh, currently in the England cricket test, there's a review for a possible wicket. Uh, England, uh, if this is out, will only need three wickets. Uh, Pakistan needed about 60-odd runs. I think it was 64 off the top of my head. Uh, and then coming up after nine o'clock as well, we have at the Yockey. Stay tuned, $200 Dart Depot voucher to give away. And also the godfather, Barry Hearn, at quarter past 10. I am not kidding you. I am so looking forward to this interview. Uh, one thing I really like about Barry Hearn, and it's uh, some wisdom I have taken on for myself, is his principles of life. In his book, the first chapter is about the 10 principles in life, and I feel like they are great. And I, I actually have it printed out after hearing it because I – do like I like hearing the principles of life. I feel like when I when you need when you need something to a bit of a pick me up or a bit of a inspiration, it's what you need. You need one of Barry Hearn's points in life. Life does not change by sitting on the sofa. That's one I need to really take on board. Share work if it can make you look like a genius. I like that because I'm not smart, but people think I'm smart. Silence, I take it it's a good thing. Silence is agreement. There we go. All right, it's six minutes away from eight o'clock. Coming up after the break, Jared Cronin talks some American football. Love songs to midnight. 
what it feels like. Yeah, but it's actually SCNZ. You'll see the Ben Francis here. It's the final hour of Extra Time for 2022. And I thought we'd love to catch up with uh, one of my favorite men. He's a part of the SCN family over in Aussie. He loves the Warriors. And I'm actually going to start off this interview with a Warriors question. But we've actually got him on to talk some American football. And that is uh, Gerard Cronin. Gerard, firstly, mate, I do not choose the music, okay? Oh, very good evening to you, mate. That was I thought that was a cracking choice. I'm okay, I, 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 I chose it then. I chose it. All me. All me. <laughs> it's all you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could credit Niv for that one. But, mate, uh, great great to have you on. Uh, firstly, uh, I put the question out as it's the last show for Extra Time in 2022. What's kind of on your sporting wish list for 2023? And being a, the Warriors man you are, I thought, what's on your sporting wish list for the Warriors next year? Oh, goodness gracious. There's some uh, some huge questions there. Um, I think uh, in terms of my 2023 wish list, kind of just hoping for a bit of progress and a bit of hope from the Warriors, to be honest. Uh, not really setting my goals too lofty. Uh, not not saying that we should uh, make the playoffs or anything like that. But uh, I think just um, just hopefully seeing the guys back home and, and making a bit of progress will, will actually keep me happy and just, you know, just sort of... Um, I guess warm the hearts of the Warriors fans who have been struggling in recent times. Um, on top of that, um, 2023, obviously a big year with uh, the Rugby World Cup coming up, hoping the, uh, the All Blacks can, uh, you know, can, can do well there. Um, but also um, in terms of what we're about to talk about shortly, I didn't realize this was the, uh, the final, um, the final show of, of the year as well, mate. That, that's a, that's a big deal. You got me on, um, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the, well, an unlikely, playoff charge by my Atlanta Falcons in the NFL as they've just uh, decided to bench their quarterback and bring in a rookie guy and uh, I think he might be able to just uh, impress people and, and just pull a few surprises in the last four weeks of the of the regular season. Is there still a sniff of uh, playoffs in there? There is actually yeah the uh, the NFC South is an absolute well I'm gonna say it's a dumpster fire um, the uh, the top team at the moment of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they are not looking great, um, nor is anyone in the NFC South. So everybody is uh, everybody's still within a shot, um, within a few games of each other there. So uh, it's all on for the last few weeks. Uh, so, um, some pretty big results, uh, just having a look through at some of these scores now. Some very close games, but also uh, some pretty big margins in there. And we see like the Chiefs beat the Broncos. Uh, Broncos, Russell Wilson, I don't think we really need to touch on that in terms of probably end up going down as one of the worst trades in history but we'll, I guess start off with the Buccaneers because if I'm not mistaken it was the stat that uh, was it was it Brock Purdy was the first quarterback to beat Tom Brady in his debut yes yeah you're right uh, Tom had had a, a wonderful record against uh, rookie quarterbacks and enjoyed picking on them um, in his time but I guess uh, every streak has to come to an end. And I suppose after 23 years, it's it's fair that it does. Uh, interesting to note that Tom Brady has actually been playing the game, uh, playing in the NFL for um, for about as long as uh, Brock Purdy has been alive. So uh, I love the story about Brock Purdy, the quarterback for the 49ers. The Mr. Irrelevant, i.e. the final guy chosen in the draft. Uh, they had him on standby. Uh, he was about the third choice quarterback. And what do you know? Uh, his parents uh, decided to to book some tickets to go and watch a guy named, uh, you know, Tom Brady play against the 49ers. And lo and behold, uh, they ended up turning up to the game and their son was actually starting for the 49ers as well. And then he came out and just played lights out as well. So 
what a good day. They must have had such a celebration over there in San Fran. Oh, hopefully they don't have to. Like, hopefully they can get a refund for those tickets or something. Surely. <laughs> Surely. You would hope so. <laughs> uh, have a look at some of the other other games, though. Eagles still flying high with just that one loss this season. Uh, 48-22 over the, the division rivals, New York Giants. Yeah, expected probably a bit, a bit of a better competition in this match. Um, both teams coming in had looked pretty good. The Giants had looked good throughout the year. Uh, the Eagles, of course, they've got the, the best record in the entire NFL. So winning is likely favorites, but to come out and absolutely just lay a shellacking down on the Giants there in New York, uh, that was a pretty big statement game. Not only did they clinch uh, the, the the first NFL team to clinch a playoff berth, uh, but they've got a big psychological edge now over the Giants and, and really a lot of their um, a lot of their foes in the NFC East. So uh, great day to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Uh, I do get a lot of I get a lot of vibes from them uh, with Jalen Hurts leading the offense. I get a lot of uh, Cam Newton from 2015 kind of vibes when they went all the way to the Super Bowl. So um, I, I think there's uh, yeah there's exciting times ahead for the Philly faithful uh, because I mean well we know with the Philly fans if it doesn't go well they're going to boo them so uh, so just as well it is going well. I've actually never said this on the radio, and I'm going to say this now because they're also uh, on a four-game win streak. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> yes. Oh, Stephen McIver will be rejoicing. Um, <laughs> it was it was a bit of a scratchy win. Uh, but having said that, uh, they it's a banana skin game that they played today against the Texans. Texans really they had them they had them on toast, and if they could have made a couple of plays towards the end, as they were just held out on fourth down. Uh, when they're on attack with a lead of three points, um, you know they let the uh, the Cowboys in, and Cowboys went up the field and, and managed to get the uh, the score that they needed to get the results. So, uh, yeah, banana skin game for them. I think the Cowboys would be happy that they got away with one, shall we say? Uh, the Texans, poor old uh, the one one and eleven and one Texans. <laughs> they got all the ones in their record of one one, uh, lost eleven and drawn one. So. Uh, I think they're likely headed for the first pick next year in the draft. And point uh, one one five on the uh, percentage win rate as well. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's not great at all. Poor old Texans. They do. They do fight hard. I'll give them that. They they've played a lot of games. Played a few games that have gone pretty close. Uh, today's one would have been a good one, obviously, uh, being Texas a uh, Texas Bowl as such. Uh, that would have been good for them to get it. But um, you know, Cowboys fans pretty happy to get away and 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 fight another day. What's happened to the Rams? Oh, yes. Uh, not great. Uh, they sold the farm last year for some magic beans, and uh, this year the crops have failed. So, uh, yeah, the, it's, it's not great there in, uh, in L.A. at is the it, moment. Is it because of the cost of living crisis? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. They've, uh, they've brought in Baker Mayfield now, which is uh, desperate stakes, but um, he obviously helped them get a, a very unlikely win on Friday, which I know... Uh, uh, Ricardo Ball will be very unhappy with because of the uh, his Las Vegas Raiders. They're just absolutely tanking it at the end. Uh, but yeah, it's it's tough times for the Rams. Um, they've they, they really did go all in last year with what they were you know putting in salary cap and and trading draft picks and bringing in Matthew Stafford and and Von Miller and these guys, uh, which uh, it did work. It got them home. They got the the Super Bowl championship at home, uh, which is cool. And they can never have that taken away. Uh, albeit that this year few injuries have crept in and uh, all is not going well uh, over there on the uh, the west coast for the Rams. So we're getting very close to that time of the season where 
we're starting to learn the teams that are out of contention. There's already a few teams that are. I think the Eagles are actually the only team that's confirmed for that playoff spot. But what teams are you really interested in seeing in this run home? I tell you what, I'm going to shock the world with this one. Go on. The team I'm actually most enjoying at the moment, I can't believe I'm about to say this, is the Detroit Lions. Oh. They have, yeah, they've, oh. they've, they've gone great guns. They have, get this, they've won five games out of their last six matches. Now, this is a team that normally wins five games in about six seasons. So uh, I'm excited to see what they've been doing. They had a good win today against the Vikings. They were actually favored to win this game at home over the Vikings, despite the Vikings coming in with a 10-2 and record. So that just shows how well they've actually been playing in recent times. Uh, and they did manage to come out and pull a, a decent win over the Vikes. It was a good, um, a, well, it wasn't a shellacking, but it was it was comfortable for them to get home and, and get the win at home with a, you know, a lot of plays uh, from Jared Goff, the quarterback, who was, of course, formerly of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and today he's just gone ahead and helped the Detroit Lions 34 to 23 winners over the Vikings. Uh, no, the Vikings won't enjoy that much, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what these guys can do. They're sitting now at, uh, I believe, six and seven. Um, so they're on the cusp. They're actually in playoff contention in the uh, NFC, which is another shocker. Um, I'm just excited to see. I've never really been a Detroit fan as such, but you know, just you got to love the underdog and, and what they've been doing. Um, I got caught up in the hype of the, the Hard Knocks documentary at the start of the year, so that kind of drew me in. And uh, you know, call me a, an old football romantic, but I'd love to see what the Lions can do. I now this this might shock as well, but I have a D- Detroit Lions cap, which I don't wear because I don't wear caps. But I got it. <laughs> I got it signed by our Reggie Bush when he was a member of the team. Oh my gosh, I'd forgotten Reggie Bush was actually a, a lion. Wow, okay. <laughs> he was uh, he was in Sydney. Uh, it was in 2014. He was he went to State of Origin too, and that was the, the game where New South Wales broke their duck, and he was he made an appearance at Culture Kings. Right. Uh, and Sydney. Yeah, yeah. So I, I happened to be over there, so I I deliberately <laughs> made sure I got to go because I could get something from an NFL player. I uh, got a nice photo of myself there as well with him, but of course that was eight years ago so i don't look anything like i do today but yeah that's that's my association with the, the detroit lions even though i'm not a fan of them either i just like saying i got a hat signed by reggie bush mate you need to blow up that photo put it on canvas and display it proudly in the senz studios that's a that's a beauty no because because the thing is the the lions are getting better so you know you know what people are like they'll be like oh yeah, i love the detroit lions you know massive <laughs> lions fans and they'll be like oh i'll take that hat so I, I can't take that risk, unfortunately. I know this, yes, considering what some of the people here are like. Fair enough. Tough times indeed. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, just, I was just singing, yeah, you know, people just want to jump on that bandwagon. Like, yeah, look at my cool hat. And I was like, well, it's actually my hat. <laughs> but, uh, Signed by Reggie, the great yeah. man. <laughs> well, he's a great man. I, I think, was it when he was with the 49ers, he, had, he, he finished the season with, was it minus one rushing yards? <laughs> and that, well, and, I mean... And I think, not let the, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story here, though. <laughs> well, I, well, the thing is, I think the meme came out and said you literally had more rushing yards than Reggie Bush this year. Because, That's right, from sitting on the couch. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. Oh, one day, I truly felt like an NFL professional. But <laughs> uh, we touched on the, the Tampa a bit earlier, but I remember a few years ago, and this is going, this is still going back a few years ago, we had good old Max Kellerman, and he said Tom Brady's going to start falling off the cliff when he hits 40. Has he actually fall, has he fallen off the cliff now? He's just, he just got his prediction like five years too like wrong. Well, look, 
Um, you, you can't really write him off, to be honest. He just sort of, he's, he's been through a few lulls. Even when he first started playing with the Buccaneers a couple of years ago, they were looking a bit scratchy at the mid-season point. And then all of a sudden, hey, presto, uh, they figured a few things out and went on a great run and took out a Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're going to do that this year, but uh, I'm just saying we, we shouldn't really write him off completely. I do know from what I've seen online is that he's managed to, uh, uh, how do I say this? He's, he's managed to get himself a new Slovakian influencer uh, girlfriend. So, <laughs> um, so you know, there, there may be a little bit of distraction factor there. I don't know. He's had a few things going on with his personal life and whatnot. So uh, maybe not 100% you know, in the game as much as he should be. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't write him off just yet. I mean, it's, it's, uh, interesting in terms of what he's thinking about next in terms of possibly becoming a free agent or retiring or, or, or just carrying on where he is down in Florida there. So, um, yeah, we'll see with Tom. I've, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pull stumps yet on, uh, on the old boy. Well, the NFC, NFC South, which the Buccaneers are leading at the moment with a six and seven record, it's looking a bit like the NFC did quite a few years ago where you'd get like a team that would get into the playoffs with some like appalling record uh, because all the other teams in that, in that conference or division I should say uh, not looking very flash but Carolina and Atlanta just that one win behind them so right on the heels mate it's all on for the uh, the next few weeks I can tell you that much when you say about the the poor records going into the playoffs I remember the Arizona Cardinals team of about 2009 they made the playoffs with something like a seven and nine record, and they were called the worst playoff team ever. Blah blah blah, and they went within one catch of uh, of nearly winning the Super Bowl. So uh, it's just funny how how it turns out. Um, and teams, you know, once they get in there, it's a whole new ball game with the playoffs. But um, it's going to be exciting just for the the next four weeks to see who is going to be able to you know uh, take each other out and, and get there. That was the Steelers one, right? It was, yes, yeah. Santonio Holmes at the uh, the. The final minute um, touchdown reception right in the corner and, um, yeah, broke the uh, oh, the poor old Cardinals' hearts, poor fellas. <laughs> Got one more for you. What is, what is your favourite Super Bowl from memory off the top of your head? Oh, favourite Super Bowl ever. Here we go. That's a good question. Thank you. Uh, I, I can tell you it's not the one where the Falcons uh, lost the 28-3 lead to the Patriots. We'll take that out of the <laughs> – that's, that's firmly out of the running. Um, I would say ooh, 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 probably – I feel as though the the Giants went over the Patriots in 2008 uh, when the Patriots went into the Super Bowl unbeaten all year. And, um, yeah, there was the the, the helmet catch. David yeah, Tyree put the ball on the side of the – yeah, but just made, you know, absolutely no sense in terms of the, um, you know, the physics of it. But um, I think that game itself uh, – I don't know if it was maybe the setting that I was watching it in. It just seemed to really draw everyone in. It was such an intense sort of game. Uh, had ebbs and flows, and uh, and of course the uh, you know the the close finish right at the end where the Giants were able to steal it. And I just yeah, I, I really probably enjoyed that game um, overall. Uh, there's been some cracking games throughout, of course, but I think I'd rate that one uh, as probably my uh, maybe sentimental favorite. Well, I was actually going to say that that Patriots Falcons one for me, but that's because my prediction was <laughs> was pretty much on spot on. But I had uh, I had Julian Edelman. I, my pre my prediction was Julian Edelman to score the game winning touchdown in overtime. That was my right. prediction heading in. Oh my so, god! Uh, wow, that was you were pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. That's that's a chapter of my life that I've um, I've been taking therapy for. So. Um... <laughs> Best we move on. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of moving on, hey, Gerard, Liv here. Uh, hope you like my music choice. 
Uh, oh, mate, you just came fantastic. in with such good energy when I called you on the phone. So uh, I had to play that number for you. But I do. Oh, I, love it. I, I did just want to get your thoughts on something because I have been forced into reluctantly supporting the 49ers because I love and have loved Christian McCaffrey since his Panthers days. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to just wanted to get your thoughts on whether the 49ers are serious challenges this year or they'll choke. I have one question for you, first off. Yeah. Uh, so so does that mean that when Christian McCaffrey got traded from the Panthers to the 49ers, that you got traded as a fan? Is that how that works? Yeah, I'm a bit weird, eh, when it comes to American <laughs> sports. Like, I, I, I kind of view it as a players league rather than yeah, a teams sure. league when, when, when yeah. you live overseas. So I sort of follow players. Like, it's Giannis and I love Giannis Antetokounmpo in the NBA. But, yeah, so I got traded as a fan. Um, I, reluctantly, I didn't enjoy it. I can't imagine how he would have felt. Probably did enjoy it, getting away from Carolina. So that's your guy. That's your guy. That's CMC, guy. The, the touchdown factory. I love it. Um, look, I actually think that at the moment, despite the fact that they've got what, their third string quarterback uh, playing, uh, I actually think the 49ers are probably the hottest team in the entire league. And that's uh, even saying, um, you know, that's a big statement considering what the Eagles are doing. Uh, just watching how they are just really dominating on each side of the ball the defense is playing lights out D'Amico Ryan's the defensive coordinator has gotten doing some great things on that side of the ball and just shutting teams out uh, for two weeks in a row they've, they've pretty much bashed up the the Dolphins pretty well and th- this week they uh, they almost sent Tom Brady into retirement so um, they're playing very very well I've got a great scheme obviously they they like to run the ball probably a little bit worried about the injury to Debo Samuel today um, he came up with a bit of an ankle injury I believe it is so that's a bit of a problem but I honestly think that they could be right in calculations they could be looking um, you know right in at the pointy end of the season as we get towards you know deep into the playoffs and you know NFC championship games so I reckon the uh, the 49ers um, they will be a scary team to play uh, especially as we get into the knockout division oh don't get my hopes up mate but uh <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> Gerard, Mate, no Gerard Cronin, uh, it's been a privilege and a pleasure having you on the show. We've had you on many times here on Extra Time uh, throughout 2022, and no doubt there'll be more again in 2023. If we don't talk again before Christmas, have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. <laughs> Thanks very much, mate, and you too, and uh, stay safe. Go the Warriors and go the Atlanta Falcons. Love you guys. Go the Warriors. I love that. <laughs> It's uh, 19 minutes after eight here on SCNZ. After the break, we're going to go back to West Island. We've got everyone, we've been actually been in Australia, but we're going back there one more time with Pete Fairburn after the break. Twenty-three minutes after eight here. You're listening to Ben Francis on SCNZ Extra Time for the last time in 2022. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I'm already going to award our next guest with the most appearances on Extra Time uh, this year, and that's Pete Fairburn. Pete, how are you today? Coming in from uh, from West Island, Benny. How are you, mate? Thanks for having me on the show. As always, I really enjoy. Uh, making sure all of our Kiwi brethren and, and sisters are fully abreast of the outstanding achievements of Australians in the world of sports. So it's always a privilege uh, to be let loose on your platform. Oh, no worries. We love having you on, mate. And what, what, just going to start off here, what do you think is, in terms of all the sport achievements Australia had in 2022, is there one that stands out for you above the rest? 
Oh, gee, that's that's a massive question. I think, um, you know, certainly from a national point of view, um, you know, the achievements of someone like an Ash Barty uh, finally breaking the drought and winning that Australian Open all the way back in January and then shocking the world, retiring not that long after, um, you know, ranks pretty highly. Watching Cam Smith, um, you know, win the old Claret Jug over at the British Open as well. Um, I think from a team point of view, you, you know, you look at, at someone like the Penrith Panthers and the NRL season that, that they had, which was, uh, you know, on another level, and, and they've certainly developed into a real dynasty. But, mate, as per every year, you know, over this side of the world, there's just so many achievements that we're uh, prepared to bask in the glory of um, that they all, you know, get in the way of one another. Well, I, I like the ones you mentioned there because, you know, you go back to Ash Barty all the way back in, in January and, you know, you think of these events at the start of the year, you know, you, some of them do often slip your mind and when you said that, I'm like, oh, of course, it has to be up there. Well, mate, it's mental. I mean, if you reflect on the year, you know, look at your own, you know, taking a, you know, a slightly less tongue-in-cheek No, you look at your own Warriors and the <laughs> fact that, you know, it was only a few months ago, in all seriousness, that the Warriors were still playing their home games here in Australia. We've had a an unprecedented couple of years on a sporting front. Um, you know, certainly Australia and New Zealand, our our sports leagues and, and teams, you know, are, are so inters, um, interspersed, you know, that, that we, we normally anticipate a lot of trans-Tasman activity. The last two years has made that really, really challenging. So having, um, you know, the, the Warriors back home, you know, in all seriousness, represented a bit of normality and finally things were getting back to normal. Having full crowds in stadiums, I mean, for myself... As a, uh, a displaced Victorian up here in Queensland, being able to to go and watch my Melbourne Demons AFL team in the flesh for the first time in a couple of years was pretty special, and and there was a bit about um, this year um, in that, I guess. Yeah, no, you're right because when you're saying seeing your team in the flesh, you know, I, I I was I went to all the four Warriors games that they were back here and. I must say that when they were actually running out, it was actually probably one of the few moments that I can recall actually kind of having tears because it was it was a thing where I was kind of like, oh my God, it's actually happened because considering everything that had gone on and even at the start of 2022, you actually did not know until the Warriors were actually running out that they would be back because of the continual changing in circumstances. Well, that's 100% right. And I know Ricardo keeps me on a pretty tight leash when it comes to talking AFL. But if I look at the Demons, I mean, 2021 saw, saw the team that I've supported my entire 35 years of life win a first premiership in 57 years. And I couldn't go and watch it. It was in Perth and, and I wasn't allowed in that state. So I couldn't go and watch it in the flesh. And, you know, things like that hit you pretty hard. You, you, you probably, um, you know, you get over it pretty quickly when you, you just enjoy celebrating winning an AFL premiership you know, or the team you support. But it's been a really odd couple of years, you know, for those of us who, who live and breathe and, and, you know, are lucky enough to work in sport. And um, 2022 really, for me, signalled a, a bit of a return to normal. And, um, you know, even looking at things like a super rugby fixture for 2023, the fact that we're not going to have the, the kind of the, the super rugby AU before the Trans-Tasman and that sort of thing, the fact that we're going to get back to a fully integrated competition, it's just so exciting. Yeah, no, you're totally right, and it's it's going to be really good. Uh, it's going to create kind of different competition as well, and hopefully a bit a few more storylines as well. And kind of looking ahead uh, to 2023, I know there's so much coming on. I was kind of listening through some of the events before. What what event is kind of standing out for you? I know it's kind of a bit hard because there's so much on. We've got the netball World Cup. There's a rugby World Cup. You got the Australia co-host in the women's football World Cup, and even the Ashes next year as well. 
Yeah, I think the latter two you mentioned uh, really resonate with me. I, I think the Football Women's World Cup, um, I, I, I think that's just going to absolutely blow people away who perhaps aren't all that au fait with the rise and rise of women's football. And I, I think that's going to really make a bit of a statement here um, in Australia and New Zealand around the growth of women's sport and women's football in particular. That's really, really exciting. Um, the Ashes, look, the Ashes is going to be huge and, and it's one of your colleagues, Brendan McCullum, or, you know, he, he's the one who's, who's really elevated what that looks like with the way England are playing test cricket at the moment, completely um, you know, blowing up the textbook and, and, and playing a completely different style of cricket at that level, um, you know, the last Ashes was a bit of a fizzer. We won really, really comfortably. But right now, Brenda McCullum's got that England team and, and Ben Stokes have got that England team, you know, really capable taking anyone in the world on and, and doing it in their own, um, you know, hugely entertaining manner. So, so that certainly stands out as well. And, you know, you mentioned the Rugby World Cup. There's a degree of trepidation around that for, for Aussie rugby fans. I think we, we talk rugby a lot on this program and, and we talk about some of the frustrations of being a Wallabies fan and I think you look at, at, at kind of a, a squad of players and you think there's plenty there for a Wallabies fan to be excited about. There's absolutely a great 23 players that could uh, could be selected that could take anyone in the world on on their day but we don't seem to have been able to, um, I guess, decipher the code of who those 23 should be, what positions they should play and that continuity and cohesion um, yeah, I feel like I talk about it all the time, but it's still severely lacking in a Wallabies team that, um, you know, still right now are, are tossing up potentially a late change of head coach for that tournament. We've got, um, you know, four or five really important players under massive injury clouds for that tournament as well. So, yes, the Rugby World Cup's exciting, but, but there's certainly trepidation associated with it as well. Yeah, well, I wanted to touch on the cricket. So first, before we get to get to the rugby, but uh, on. Uh, Izzy and Kempi, which is our breakfast show this week, they had Andrew Miller, who I think works for ESPN Crick Info, and he was talking about how he was covering the Ashes, and of course we had all the lockdowns and that on, and he said when he was covering it and it was that dominant that he was kind of sitting there thinking, what on earth am I doing with my life? And then he said the, the Baz coming in, he's kind of rejuvenated the love for English cricket, so I guess for, uh, for, for the Aussies, there's probably going to be that anticipation of a of a stronger challenge this year and it could be probably you could almost say it could be one of the tightest ashes we've had yeah i think nobody could predict what's going to happen and that's what you know the the formula of what baz has got that team doing is that that you just don't know what they're capable of and and they seemingly believe that they can win from any position and they're prepared to to do whatever it takes and and we haven't really you know it's it's certainly pretty extraordinary and revolutionary and, and something we haven't really seen a lot of before. I think the other key factor for the Ashes that wasn't here last time is we're going to have the Barmy Army and the touring fans hopefully back mm. in their thousands. And, you know, that made a massive difference being, a, you know, I, I went to the test at the Gabba and, 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 you know, while you still have expats and the like, um, you know, and there were a few, I think, who came over. I can't remember the specific um, entry and lockdown rules at the time, but it was a, a far smaller, far quieter um, cohort of Barmy Army supporters. Whereas if you go back, um, you know, the, the kind of couple of series before that, there were times where it felt like the Australian supporters were outnumbered in the in the stadium and, and the atmosphere was unbelievably electric. Now, the reality is, um, with the exception of the subcontinental teams, nobody cheers on their cricket teams like English fans. I mean, Aussies and, and Kiwis, we don't cheer in the same way the Barmy Army do. We don't play trumpets. We don't sing songs in the same way. So you are always going to feel a little bit outnumbered, but... 
um, it was it felt like something was missing last time around. So we're excited to welcome them back down under. Hopefully, send them home uh, with their tail between their legs and, and and all of that. But it's going to be a really gripping series. Um, that being said, Benny, I, you know I, I don't think we should underestimate the challenge coming up for the Australians. You know, just around the corner here against the South Africans in the upcoming yeah. Test series. They've got an unbelievable record down under. Um, you know, I know in recent years South Africa have had a few scandals and a few crises of their own in in the cricketing sense, but you know we're not underestimating them, and I think they'll certainly be stiffer opposition than what we've seen from the West Indies. Yeah, I totally agree, uh, Pete. With that, uh, we are 27 away from nine on extra time. Pete Fairburn uh, for calling West Island. Pete, I don't know how many Aussies would actually have as their their Christmas wish list present for 2023, as Eddie Jones being the coach of the Wallabies heading into the World Cup. Well, talk about one of the most polarising topics you could possibly encounter around the water cooler, right? I think yeah. um, there's a, a fairly large body of evidence when you come to a coach who's, who's coached at the highest level for so, so long, uh, you, know, you know what you're going to get. It's the complete opposite to Baz McCullum. So, so the way Eddie operates um, you know, has, has brought him a huge amount of success at a provincial and international level over a long and distinguished career. So he's not going to rip up, um, you know, rip up his notes and start again. So you know you're going to get an intense individual. You know you're going to get players and, and support staff who, who don't thrive in that environment and burn out and possibly, you know, um, don't, don't perform at their best. And, and you know that you're going to get a guy who's probably going to upset sponsors and media managers and make plenty of enemies along the journey. That being said, you also know you're going to get a guy who's just been sacked despite a 73% win record with the England team over you know, a seven-year period, which is remarkable, the best in their history and, and nearly twice as good as, I think, Dave Rennie's operating at 37% at the moment. That goes up to 82%, a winning record at Rugby World Cups as a coach, which is, is just remarkable. Um, you know, so heading into a Rugby World Cup year, somebody like that who has spoken about having unfinished business in Australian rugby suddenly hits the market 12 months earlier than expected then into a, a British and Irish Lions tour in two years, then into a home World Cup. You're crazy not to consider whether the pros outweigh the cons, and that's where we're at right now. Um, all the reports indicate that bringing him in as, as kind of a director of rugby, um, working you know, in tandem or over the top of Dave Rennie isn't something that appeals to Dave Rennie. Um, so that's really what Australian rugby has to work through now. I think if you've got a World Cup specialist, which you could almost say Eddie Jones is, um, you're crazy if you're not looking, you know, and, and you do want to bring him in. And, and Hamish McLennan, the Rugby Australia chairman, quoted in the papers over the weekend saying, we are speaking to him and, and we'd love to potentially bring him in. I think the reality is that there's no point bringing him in for 2024 and missing out on having him in 2023. So then you've got to start to unpack what does that look like? Is there a way he could integrate into that Dave Rennie environment? If you're Dave Rennie, you're having to have some serious, serious thoughts about Am I willing to walk away from my job if Eddie Jones is presented as somebody who's going to be part of the, the conversation? So it's a really, really interesting situation. Still plenty to play out in that space. And, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, nobody really knows exactly where it's going to land at the moment. No, it's, uh, I, I kind of had a feeling that, you know, if you had said at the start of the November internationals, Eddie Jones probably would be gone. I think well, I kind of, I would have said I would have been surprised personally, but... Uh, you look at the pool that Australia have at the World Cup, they've got Wales, Fiji, Georgia and Portugal. Do you think, with if, say, Eddie Jones does replace Rennie, do you think that that Aussie team could go further than what Rennie would be able to do? 
Oh, look, it's a really tough question, Ben, because I've been a supporter of Dave Rennie's, you know, for longer than he's been in that Wallabies post, and I really believed, you know, that, that he was a fantastic appointment. He has had some real uh, unfortunate sequences of events around injuries and the like, you know, some really narrow defeats, even on this tour just gone, you know, you, you, you lose to Ireland and France, arguably two of the best three teams in the world, by uh, by a couple of points max on each occasion, and you think, you know, a, a better kick here or there, and, and, and all of a sudden you, you're coming off that spring tour, you know, four out of five, but the reality is you lose those matches, you lose to Italy for the first ever time, um, the blowtorch is well and truly on. So, look, I think if Eddie Jones is genuinely gettable, um, he needs to to be brought in to be involved in that 2023 World Cup and what that looks like, whether it's something, as I say, you know, alongside or over and above Dave Rennie or, or whether it's in his place, that's, that's a question for the decision makers as opposed to myself. But you, you've got to take advantage of his availability and you've, you know, you, you, you've got to look at what difference he might make to a program that hasn't really hummed along that effectively for the last three years. I, yeah, I, I remember there was a report that came out was it last week, I think, and it was talking about Scott Robertson and a relationship he had with a high-up person at Rugby Australia. Is, is, that just, is that just throwing out an unlikely possibility? Yeah, I think the report referenced Dan Herbert, who, of course, the Wallabies great and played with Scott Robertson and Perpignan in the early 2000s. And um, I, I think there's a lot that Aussies like about Scott Robertson. Um, you know, I, I think that there's, you know, you know, even elements of that kind of beach bum surface style that really resonates with people. Um, and they think he could do a great job here. There's certainly a lot of surprise, I think, all over the world that New Zealand rugby seemingly um, haven't haven't locked this guy down and that whether it's England, whether it's France, whether it's, um, you know, Australia, that, that somebody else is going to profit from the availability of this this incredibly successful provincial coach. I, I think the challenge is we don't know um, Scott Robertson's level of interest and availability. Um, we don't know where the Wallabies or, or coaching the Wallabies would sit on his list of preferences. You'd, um, it, it'd be pretty simple to assume you'd make a lot more money, for example, coaching England, or you could make an, a, you know, an extreme amount of money going and coaching you know, someone like a Leinster who he's been linked with in Ireland or, or even going and coaching the Springboks. So, you know, we, we've seen Robbie Deans. We, we've now seen Dave Rennie come in as, as Kiwi coaches of the Wallabies. Um, you know, Robbie Deans actually had a pretty pretty good coaching record with the Wallabies and, and plenty of people will say that, that he was jettisoned a little bit too soon but um, you know does Scott Robertson look at those those uh, I guess contemporaries of his who have had a tough time over here um, does he look at Raylene Castle who was an administrator you know the moment things started going poorly and she made some horrible decisions but you know the, the references to her nationality came up pretty quickly on that occasion as well so are the Wallabies a really enticing option for Scott Robertson right now or, or does he actually um, keep his powder dry and see where he lands with, with New Zealand rugby, you know, post the 2023 Rugby World Cup? I think, um, you know, forgive my ignorance if I've missed this somewhere along the journey, but I don't know if we're um, aware whether Ian Foster wants to coach on beyond 2023. Um, I know Joe Schmidt and, and Scott Robertson apparently um, there's not a great amount of eagerness to work together there, but I don't think it's as easy as Australian rugby saying we'd love to work with Scott Robertson. I think we need to know whether he wants to work with us or not. Yeah, and uh, I don't think that has been made very clear by Foster because usually New Zealand rugby wait till after the World Cup, but over here there's been a lot of talk to try make that decision 
before the World Cup, but that would be uncanny and I kind of feel like that if Foster did win the World Cup, argument's sake, he probably would want to stay on. I wouldn't see him winning the World Cup and wanting to resign because he probably would feel a bit smug about that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's completely natural, right? And yeah. um, I, I guess it's the same position where Dave Rennie's been asking for a bit of certainty around his position beyond 2023 and saying that he'd love to be the coach beyond that. I think the reality is that in the cases of both Foster and Rennie, you can't make that guarantee right now. They're both coming off um, you know, years which are, are fairly disappointing um, you know, from a win-loss record, albeit you know, Foster's win record's a lot higher than, than Rennie's. The expectations are higher as well. So... Plenty to play out in that space. As I say, Eddie Jones is one we know is available right now. We know he's uncontracted. We know he's got unfinished business with Australian rugby uh, because he's on the record as having said it. Um, and we know he's, he's very passionate about the gold jersey. So if there's a way to bring him in, um, you know, I'm personally supportive of that. I know that um, it, it won't be an easy journey for lots and lots of people involved, but um, Eddie will certainly get some eyeballs on the sport and heading into you know, four massive years of, of rugby here in Australia or, you know, really six years with the Women's World Cup in 29 as well. Mm. Um, you know, some extra PR, some extra column inches for rugby in Australia wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Uh, Pete Fairburn, I'll get you out on this one. How how's the FIFA World Cup been received over in you know, your part of uh, the country and Australia as well, considering the Aussies reached the last 16? It's been really interesting, Benny. You know, I, I think there's been kind of three distinct phases of the World Cup. Um, you know, first there was, um, you know, nobody really over here had, had very high expectations for the Socceroos. Certainly most didn't think we'd get out of the group phase. And um, a lot of the, the pre-tournament focus was very much on the fact that the tournament was happening in, in Qatar and, and, and all the kind of myriad, um, you know, challenges associated with that, all the inappropriateness that's been, you know, Far smarter people can speak to the, the, than myself, but but clearly lots of red flags around the hosting of that tournament, how it was awarded, some of the the horrible atrocities that happened in that country, whether it be to migrant workers or the persecution of um, of homosexual people and and, and other um, you know uh, gender diverse people, and I think um, you know that was kind of how it was viewed initially, and then all of a sudden, oh wow, Australia's actually showing a bit of a bit of ticker and a bit of heart and. Um, you know, certainly the country united behind the Socceroos and, and, you know, they certainly did us proud and pushed Argentina all the way in the round of 16, completely surpassed expectations, matched the achievements of the golden generation from 2006 with a squad that, you know, with all due respect, is nowhere near as strong as on paper. So that really took people along on the journey. And I think, you know, the, then we go into a last eight and with the exception probably of, of Morocco, you could say seven of the eight teams into the quarterfinals were teams that people probably expected to be there. So people got really excited about the fact that this was a World Cup where, um, you know, all, you know, the cream was really rising to the top. And um, then off the back of England's, England's exit, uh, you know, Morocco getting through and, and Brazil's exit, I don't know, maybe slightly less interest in it now, uh, you know, since that's happened. But I, I think in general, the viewing times have been pretty favourable. I'm sure likewise across the ditch there, it's been pretty easy for most people to watch a game at, at five or six o'clock, depending on what part of the country you're in, it's been a pretty nice way to start the game and, uh, sorry, start the day. And, um, you know, certainly lots of eyeballs on football more broadly. It'll be interesting to see how much of that carries over to the A-League. I think there was a big chunk of players in the, the Socceroos squad who play their domestic football in the A-League and maybe that'll give it, um, you know, a little bit greater legitimacy um, in the eyes of some. But, you know, 
to close the loop, what we spoke about earlier, the Women's World Cup here and, and in NZ next year, I think that's the really exciting moment now for um, for football in Australia and and really for the evolution and, and continued uh, growth of women's sport. And, and we've seen, you know, the evolution of the Super W, the NRLW, the AFLW. Um, our Matildas are, are enormously popular here and in Sam Kerr have one of the sport's biggest names playing for them out. Australian women's cricket team, the Southern Stars, are hugely popular here, but I think that's going to blow people away. The sheer scale and significance of that event, I think it's going to be a real line-in-the-sand moment for women's sport in Australia, and, and I'm unbelievably excited for it. Pete Fairburn, uh, thank you for all your contributions here on Extra Time in 2022. Have a great Christmas and New Year, and we'll love to have you back on in 2023. Benny, I'm looking forward to actually spending uh, two beautiful, hopefully sunny weeks in Canterbury over the Christmas break, getting, oh, nice. uh, getting across there to see my in-laws. So it's going to be wonderful. Thanks for you, for you and Ricardo and all your production team for your hard work this year. Love being on the show and, um, yeah, really, really, really enjoy your company and, and chatting all things sport. Cheers, Pete. That's Pete Fairburn there from us talking over in West Island. It is 15 minutes away from nine.